0: Shalom Aleichem, what is up, my mishpoche? I had way more fun that first part than I thought I would. Let's jump into part two, but before I do that, I forget her name. This woman talks about, we have to parent ourselves. We haven't had a parent tell us what to do for so long now. We always, for the rest of our life, have to parent ourselves. No one will show up. No one's going to do things for us. We have to do it ourselves. And the reason I'm telling you this is I want this to carry over into the episode because as i said in the first part i might give a tip on how to make a kid more productive and intelligent but you can actually this whole book if you flip that and just say oh that's a tip to make me more intelligent that is this entire book this is a self-help book this book is how to be a better human being not just how to raise a better human being so let that carry into this no one's coming for you you got to parent yourself and this book teaches you how to parent yourself Just like how it teaches you to parent a kid. Okay, getting right back to where we were. Uh, We had just finished talking about caring better because it increases cognition and social development. Next, the book actually has its first contradiction, which I love. I love finding these contradictions in these books. And it says here that the amount of time spent in care matters, specifically the more time spent cared for by parents, they help prevent the lack of cooperation, upper respiratory and stomach issues even. So it's this stems from stress, by the way. So it improves health the more care is spent. Now, that's weird because above there it just said quality of care is what matters. But. Notice there just said, like, more care matters. It doesn't necessarily matter the quality. So I'm like, okay, what, what what is it? More quality or more quantity? Like, this book didn't really clarify that for me. And so you flip down on yourself, right? You can flip down on yourself. Better, like, quality of care on yourself or quantity of care on yourself. I still don't know what's better. And just keep flipping things on yourself. Keep reflecting back every time I say things here. So apparently the book contradicts itself a second time by saying there can be high stress at home as well. So it comes right back down to the quality of care by a caregiver. That the kid trusts or feels comfortable around. So again, if you didn't catch that I'm saying like it's saying high stress at home is a bad thing. And so it's saying that quality is what matters more. But before it was just saying get the most care you can. Apparently between the ages of 5 and 11 brain development goes mushuga it crazy off the charts. Just fun fact. Naturally kids gravitate towards new interests in that time frame as your parent. It's your job to help them investigate further in those this ties into the creativity from chapter 2 that we talked about in the first part part 1 of this series there's a perfect example here and I'll tell you the story so a mother bought her son a guitar even though he barely showed any musical interest she got him a guitar and lessons which were expensive and but by a very highly recommended teacher so every Wednesday she would pick him up from school and took him across town to these lessons Every day, she would remind him to practice, and after about four weeks, he wasn't practicing at all, so she made a rule that there'd be no screens, no TV, no, nothing, until he finishes 30 minutes of daily practice. Before long, the son and the mother were clashing. She, res- uh, she resented the investment she made on the guitar, and he never went back to practicing. He actually despised it. It was the backfire effect. The guitar was given away to a friend after a little bit. And that's a prime example, folks. You know, if she had just listened a little longer to what he was interested in, she would have made a better investment to what his true passion was, not just this little bit of speculation. She could have regressed, uh, regressed. She could have, you know, rented a guitar or even given a few lessons before asking again his interest or commitment. Just taste tested. It's okay to taste test an interest. So when a child's interest gets more serious, they should have way more They should be more active in their decision making regarding the interests. And if you're wondering what that means, like it would sound like this. Oh, honey, you seem really interested. Like, do do you really want the lessons? Yeah, I really do. Okay, well, what are you gonna? Do you know what it takes? And and you just have a conversation, and the kid will be active in this process of like understanding why they want what they want. The book mentions it's important not to assume that a kid, a child staring off into space. Is a waste of time. Do not assume that. It is not a waste of time when they space out. That's actually really good for them. Apparently, boredom very important for kids. That is literally the catalyst for self-discover, self-discovery. Just, uh, oh my god, am I drunk right now? That is literally the catalyst for self-discovery, determination, and creativity. Quick tip: create a language-rich home environment. Do not baby talk. I love this by the way. Like, why do people do this? I understand that they're literally a baby. But even then, once the kid is is starting to say, even just, actually, fuck it, I take that back. Even as a baby, I'm gonna be talking to my baby like this. Of course, there's a time and a place, people. I'm not gonna do it all the time. I'm just saying, language-rich home environments. It's true. Just look at the amount of words kids hear, and then correlate that with their success in life. Like you can go look that study up yourself. You can go. I'm sure there's. Uh, um, uh, I can't think straight, people. I don't. I actually don't know what the hell's wrong with me tonight. What I was gonna, I'm, I, I have so many thoughts I wanna say that I just can't say them all at once. But, anyways, first thoughts to come to mind is go look up the studies. Uh, second, that comes to mind, um, I didn't cherry pick anything. Like, there is a lot of literature out there on the more words kids hear, the better they are intellectually. So, yeah, I'm not gonna baby talk. Also, a rule no expensive toys allowed, this book says. Unstructured play is key. And that is so true. I learned that at school. Teach your children what a growth mindset is. It's actually not complicated. Teach them. If you guys don't know, like, listen, 10 seconds is all you say. Growth mindset is saying, what can I do? Or can I blank instead of I wish. If you're in traffic and you say, I wish I was out of traffic, that's a fixed mindset. If you're in traffic and you say, I can put a podcast on to make this better. I can call a friend to make this traffic better. You've accepted the traffic and you're making your life better and you're happier. All right. Chapter four titled Tests and Assessments. So they start off this chapter by saying the most famous geniuses ever would have botched most of our standardized tests. Fun fact. So yeah, make I hope that makes you feel better or your child feel better. Eliminate titles. Don't call kids gifted and or learning disabled or whatever. Instead, concentrate on providing intellectual challenges for all kids because everyone can have intellectual challenges no matter what level they're at. And remember, flip this on yourself. Even you, no matter what intellectual level you are at. Like, I suck at math, but there are intellectual challenges for me at math. If I had a fixed mindset and I said, that's it, I suck at math, so therefore I cannot do any math. No, growth mindset is I can practice mental long multiplication. Like that, you know what I mean? Like that, So that for me, that'd be a challenge, so I could do that. Whereas you talk to a mathematician, for them, their challenge would be to figure out the next m- mystery. Now, this is such a hot take. Apparently gifted programs are an indicator of systemic racism. And I never really thought about it like that, but it actually kind of is because the people with the best education, typically in the white rich neighborhoods are going to be the gifted kids. And then if gifted kids get all these special opportunities to go to big schools, no wonder you're going to just see a bunch of white kids at the big schools. But all those huge Ivy League schools have done their part to make it diverse. So good for them. This, I have not been able to stop talking about this concept that I'm about to tell you right now to finish this chapter off. God, this is so awesome. So kids, a lot of kids will feel imposter syndrome. You're wondering how, how they're just kids. If they're always being called brilliant and intelligent, and remember in chapter one, we talked about, tell a kid, hey, you're really good at the knitting. Don't say like, you're an awesome child. Don't tell them that. You gotta say, you're really good at that knitting, or you're really good at the way you knit that part of the quilt. Like, you gotta be so specific that they wanna keep getting better at that specific thing, and they don't think of themselves as some god. So anyways, going back, imposter syndrome. When the kid feels that, because now they identify as this awesome, brilliant specimen, (laughs) they're going to choose safe options versus the intelligently stimulating or challenging ones. Why is this? They're scared to fail. God forbid, because they don't truly think they're awesome. They've just been propped up by their parents. God forbid they failed and people found out they weren't actually awesome. Or, or intelligent if people keep saying Jimmy you're brilliant and then there's an opportunity that comes up where they might not look brilliant because they'll mess up the question they won't even take the opportunity and what a sad lesson to teach a kid oh my god you do not want an, op- an adult growing up avoiding all opportunity all right let's jump right into the next chapter here folks parent roles for school now I think this is where the book started to take a bit of a turn and it started to turn into like a teacher's book literally like because and I think they did this on purpose they didn't identify this but they said or i think they meant that teaching school is like so important for a kid like i actually i think this book actually that was the main thing aside from you being an awesome person is how you create an awesome child i think the second takeaway was school matters a lot in your kids development big time so it kicks off the chapter. It's just a massive list of things to discuss with a teacher on how to make a school better for your kid. However, I just want you to remember this one. Teach the child to self-advocate. Okay, this is understated apparently and a very underrated parent skill. Teach, it, You got to teach the kid how to fish. Don't give them a fish. Teach the kid to self-advocate. What does this mean? This just means if they understand that they learn best by coloring something instead of typing i don't know Let you you make it make it known for them to tell their teacher to color instead of type there's a question they want parents to ask themselves do i avoid making assumptions about my child including including their learning preference and capabilities don't assume how your kid learns and prefers things Um, now look inward. Okay. Ask yourself this, right? Are you assuming ways you like to learn and whatnot? Have you even tested the waters? Maybe you like to learn different ways. You never thought you did. Like, for example, I assumed way back. I liked to regurgitate, meaning I went on Duolingo to learn Spanish a couple times and I failed And but I assumed that was the way I wanted to learn. Then I actually understood how I learned, which is pretending to teach people. So what do I do? I go on YouTube. And there's a bunch of Spanish teachers on YouTube, and what did I do? So then I wrote it down and pretended to teach this and talk to people in Spanish, like, and talk to a class in Spanish. And it helps, because then I go and Duolingo, and it's way easier than it was before. That's because I stopped assuming how I learned and just, like, tested things out. But you can do this with the kid as well. And that was a boring chapter, so that was pretty much it, and that's the only takeaway I had. Because there was, like, so much, like, it was a big chapter, but it was all about, like, these questions to ask yourself around uh, what teacher is the best teacher for your kids. Chapter six, teacher's roles, responsibilities, and requirements. Um, that sounds so boring, but stick with me here because I took a few notes. It's kind of cool here. Happy teachers are good teachers. So m- make sure that. And if you have a teacher and you're like, this, see, this is where I'm saying, like it doesn't have to be a boring book because if you just flip it all and you're like, okay, you want your kid to have a happy teacher because that's a good teacher. You have tons of teachers in your life. I don't care who you are. There are people teaching you things. We all have teachers. And in and, and Live Like a Monkey talks about How those roles are always switching. Sometimes you're the student. Sometimes you're the teacher. And it doesn't even actually correlate to age. Sometimes you're teaching older people. And then sometimes the older people are teaching you. And vice versa with students. So if the people teaching you in your life are not happy, they're probably not good teachers. God, and, and now just saying these jot notes out loud, I'm forgetting how much you can reflect in this book and look on yourself. So here's a checklist, by the way. For uh, this is a way to build up kids' intelligence, <clears throat> aka build up your intelligence because you can reflect. Appreciation of children's remarkable differences in each other. Yes. A, appreciate other people's remarkable differences, okay, in the real world. Thoughtful attention to what fits a given individual's uh, individual in a particular situation. So, C, now again, what can you see fits some individual out there in their situation? and or yourself what fits you in a specific situation look for that uh here a willingness to create a, oh, a willingness to be creative to stretch boundaries try new techniques and go beyond teaching uh, uh, the teach to test curriculum which by the way that term i never heard before but I, my mother my mother's a teacher and my best friend's mother's a teacher and apparently that is a real thing the teach to test curriculum like that's I hate that so much, by the way, that grinds my gears. I can't, like, oh, what kind of people are we producing? Just employees to memorize how to do things and then pump them out? I hate that. Like, you're killing creativity with a teach-to-test curriculum. And so remember, you want to teach your kids this, but I'm going to repeat everything one more time, but always uh, frame it into a way that it's, you know, like catering to you. Are you... Being having a willingness to be creative. And are you stretching boundaries, trying new techniques? Are you? Think about that. Admin support, because that helps best practice application, apparently. So now in your life, whoever is the admin for your life, make sure they have best practice application. Boom. Well-planned and challenging professional development opportunity. Blah, blah, blah. That's boring. Let's move on. Analytical intelligence is the foundation for practical, for being practical and creative. Analytical intelligence. Now you're wondering, like, that sounded like a bunch of cocktails Ev. Okay, let me break this down for you. For a person to write about a mongoose, they have to first know what a mongoose is. That's analytical intelligence, people, is when you know what a mongoose is. So now, now you can write practically about a mongoose. It's just a shame that for IQ testing, it's almost all analytical testing, which is like, what is a mongoose? They rarely want you to write about the mongoose and then, you know, actually show off your personality, God forbid. So if you want to be creative with other adults in your life, so let's flip this. Like I said, I'm going to repeat everything twice for the adults in the room. Now for you, have an analytical intelligence, okay? So the mongoose is just a metaphor. Maybe for you, you first need to know what the hell real estate investing actually is. So now you can talk to people about it and get creative about it. Or maybe you need to first understand what... Socialism actually is before you can start talking about it with people and getting creative about it. You know what I mean? But for that five-year-old, let's break it right down to what what is a balloon, and then they can talk about a balloon. It's no different for the adults. I'm telling you, this book blows my mind. It's all it's a self-help book, not just a kids book. Okay, this this is really cool, but a bit of a brain fart. So, a method to teach kids how to learn is one. Oh my God, I see. Reading these notes, I need to actually organize these sometimes because that was so cringe. I was like, is one, but that's actually, that that's what one was. Number one is a method, uh, method teaching kids how to learn. Um, problem finding. Oh, yeah, yeah, never mind. One is problem finding. So that, so this is how to teach kids how to learn. You have to find a problem. Number two is you investigate the problem. Three, you have to solve the problem. And then four, implement implementation. Oh, I hate saying big words. And then you make it happen. So if you need, this is to teach kids, but if you want to learn yourself, you have to do the same thing. Find a problem, investigate it, solve the problem, implement, you're good. So here, for fun, I'll do this with my own life, just for fun. So, let's learn about something. I got to find a a problem, okay? My problem is I can't get rich fast enough. (laughs) We all have that problem. Problem two, let's investigate, okay? Oh, sorry, not problem two. Uh, Number two, there's investigation. So to investigate, I guess I'll go on YouTube and I'll look up some blogs on Reddit. And then problem solving. Okay, so I've investigated. Now to solve that problem, I probably need to find things with huge returns. I need to find investment vehicles with massive returns. And I need to find other people's money because I don't have a lot of money to invest. Okay, uh, and then implement. So good, I guess now I'm going to... I asked my brother for some money the other day to private land, that helped. And then... Um, I got into a bunch of Facebook groups, so then people find deals for me in real estate and, and oh, and then at implementation is I also in the new year, I'm going to join a wholesaling list uh, or a team. Well, I'm on the wholesaling list, but I'm going to be on the wholesaling team, wholesaling real estate. And that's a way that I'll find deals and use other people's money for those deals is assuming the numbers work and I can pay back the investor and make a return. And then I'll get rich quicker because I don't need my own money. I can scale quicker with other people's money. Boom. There, I just did it right there off the top of my head. Sorry if that bored you to death, but that actually method it works. It's a good method. A a portion of the chapter was called quiz your child and school and there are a few here. I really liked so here. Here we go. Is it cool to be smart? Question their home and school connections. Spontaneity and flexibility are important. And again, flip these back all the time. So for you look for in life, the school of life. Remember, they say your child's school here, but we're always learning. We're always paying tuition in some way, or one way or another in your life. So in your life, spontaneity and flexibility, those are important, so look for them. Steps in learning experience is a good one, as well as the most important is to respect individuals' development, developmental differences. And in your own life, you can do that too. And I know some of these might be common sense. You're like, of course, I need to respect other people's developmental differences. But let me tell you that, like... It's important to refresh this stuff. I think in 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, he talks about this. He says you need to refresh these things. Like He, he says at the beginning of that book, which I would only done the summary of, he says, like this is stuff you should already know, but I'm just refreshing your memory. And the book says that parents who reflect on all those things I talked about, they'll be able to benefit their child's experience more. And so if you, now let's flip it, if you, because you're parenting yourself, if you reflect on all those questions I asked, you are going to increase your experience in life. Because remember, life is school, the school of life. (laughs) Let's jump into chapter seven, decision making about school. My battery is about to go. Got to get a charger BRB. Okay, I've removed my headset and I'm using it as a microphone. So we're going to see if this sounds worse or better, after the fact. So have fun, everybody. I don't know how this is sounding, but you do. It's There's a quote to start Chapter 7, which is titled Decision-Making About School. The quote goes like this. Fortune favors the prepared mind. Fortune favors the prepared mind, people. The smartest countries prior- prioritize and pay and educate their teachers. That's interesting. That's actually a really cool thing. Uh, the U.S. sucks for that. Canada is good for it. Europe is great for it. Malcolm Gladwell, we all know him. He par—he was paraphrasing, we are swimming in knowledge, but desperately lacking in understanding. That's actually true. One of the elements that make up a good school that I liked was to teachers reinforce intellectual risk taking. We must always take risks, people. There's nothing wrong with taking risks. And I'm reading a book, The Power of Now. You're going to get an awesome book summary. That's going to be like an eight parter when i am done that book. But he talks about how problems are made up we make problems and cling to them actually he says problems are an illusion that it's a belief the only reason we believe in problems is something for our self talk aka our ego to cling on to so we have an identity because remember dead people don't identify as anything at least consciously what we can comprehend therefore if you have no identity because you're not clinging on to a problem you are dead and remember we survived tens of thousands of years, if not longer, as human beings. Actually, someone fact check me, please. Like, how long? I'm, I'm going to look it up myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Scott, I can already hear him laughing right now. I legit. Oh, my God. Six million years humans have been on Earth for. And I said 10,000 years. Oh, God. Oy, they's mere. So, anyways, we've survived that long simply because we have a will to live in our limbic brain, the middle of our head, motivation and memory and smell. Those things have kept us alive. Therefore, if I go all the way back here, just keep in mind, we create problems, aka stresses and fears, so that we have a reason to think we're alive and a reason to live, I guess. like It's kind of fucked up. Like our self-talk just wants to... Have something to identify to, so we're alive. Anyways, and that's why risks are in. You need to do it. it's necessary. It's mandatory. Take risks. You're going to fail at some of the risks, but remember, if you capitalize on eighty percent of your risks and twenty percent fail, that's still eighty percent success rate. That's incredible. You know how much return you'll get on that. Like, who cares about some of the failures? It's going. It's inevitable. Just accept that, and then uh, yeah, don't create a problem around it. Apparently, grade skipping is not the answer all the time to challenge a student in specific subjects is best before skipping grades entirely. And let's reflect this back to yourself. Take away all the children talk here for you. If you try to skip grades metaphorically, meaning you're trying to jump through hurdles, jump through life way faster than you should. It isn't always the answer. Don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. It could help you. Just the same way skipping grades can help some kids, but it's not the answer all the time. You shouldn't be trying to jump past everyone else in life all the time. Instead, instead, just like it says here with the kids, you need to challenge yourself in specific subjects before you skip an entire grade. You. So I'll, I'll speak more literally for you if you're confused right now. You need to find things in your life that challenge you before you try to take on a whole nother chapter of your life. Um, Me personally, I like to reflect as well. So I'll do this with you on the mic. Me personally, I really want to retire early. When I say that, I don't mean retire for life. I just mean like going on a sabbatical. And what I really mean is I want to be able to have the ability to retire for life. I would love to have the passive income that if I wanted to, I didn't have to work again, even though I will work forever. I want to be able to know that I could step away at any time. So the reason I'm saying that is instead of skipping that grade, instead of doing that like right away, like doing that when I'm 30, that's the goal in six years, I want to do that. I need to maybe challenge myself in specific areas. Those specific areas would be hmm, business. I need to challenge myself in business. I need to challenge myself in relationships. My, I call it RQ. I actually... I've never heard someone use that before i swear i've coined this term which is so egocentric and naive but i'm just saying like relationship intelligence i lack excuse me so i need to challenge myself in those two areas relationship intelligence and business intelligence before i can decide to just fully go for it and leverage as much debt as possible to get this happening anyways let's move on so this book recommends language learning as a way to further challenge yourself I regret even telling you that it was a waste of a fact. And even though this book is mainly school advice, they do mention at the end of the chapter, the school isn't the end all be all for your child's development. We, We all know this, but I'm just refreshing your memory that if you have a kid one day, don't think like they're going to school, so they're good. I don't have to do anything. No, no, that is false. Do not tell yourself that. You definitely have to do a ton for your child. You have to like go back to part one when I, there was a list of 20 things you can do for your kid to stimulate their brain. And and these are all things that are outside of school. And so for you, the adult who has to parent yourself, remember the internet, content, books, that is not the end all be all for your advice and for your learning, okay? You have to also go out to the zoo and go to the musical things and and the list goes go back to those 20 things. You have to go out and do stuff and cook for yourself. And learn organization in your bookshelf. And like you still have to do all that as an adult. And maybe it's not literally organizing a bookshelf. But maybe it's organizing your files on your computer. Maybe it's organizing your bedroom. I don't know. Like, or organizing your work stuff. So what I'm saying is you can just make it all fit an adult narrative. And there we moved to chapter 8 titled, Possible Complications. The first thing we talk about there is age 11 to 14 is when kids are desperately trying to be noticed as individuals, but they also want to be like others. Now, this isn't just one of those ages. This isn't, parents have to give kids a break at that age because it's a very painful time. So don't take it personal. If a kid's being disrespectful, you know it's out of a place of pain because they're in a painful place. I'm not sure yeah my mom gave me a break when I was being moody as a teenager did your parents because now we have that knowledge that okay we can give kids a bit of a break don't get me wrong you can still give lessons teaching them respect and whatnot that it's never right to be disrespectful but then you can even though you give that lesson you don't internalize what they said to you or did to you you just don't you can give the lesson but you know it wasn't personal because of what they're going through and this book says like I'll read it again 11 to 14, kids want to be noticed as individuals, but they also want to be like everyone else. They don't want to be alone, which is contradictory, but whatever. Like, it makes sense because kids do that. And that's how I'm going to finish this before we hit the 30-minute mark. We'll stop at chapter 8. And yeah, again, this is cool. I really like doing all this reflection, just flipping things back on how we parent ourselves as adults. Hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned for a part 3 next week. See you later. Love you all to death all eight of you because anchor says eight people listen let's go (laughs) well there it is part three i hope you all are enjoying this have a great weekend all my people listening good Shabbos Shabbat Shalom Shalom and all my Yahudim we're going to enjoy Shabbat dinner tonight that's it rate 5 stars if you listen to Apple Podcasts I could do this all day this is so fun to me and uh, if you have made it this far and it's 50 years in the future and you're one of my future kids, nieces, nephews, grandchildren (sighs) I'm so glad you're getting to see this side of me because it wouldn't come out on any of my other social media platforms maybe Abyssala on my YouTube channel But seriously, this is, it's different. Podcasting is different. You get real raw, long form content. And I'm glad you, my future self, my future, hey, fuck it. Who knows? Maybe my clone is listening right now. My future family, I'm glad you can get that piece of that. Take care.